As soon as you reach your destination, you must declare yourself a refugee and ask for a protection visa. You must have no identity papers on you or they will send you back. Everybody must hand up their passports. Come on, come on. You are all starting a new life. You cannot hold on to the past. Greetings, I'm Kate Blanchett and I'd like to personally welcome you to Postplay, Stateless. So often, real stories can be sanitised or worse, muted. In this episode, we have the opportunity to speak with two former refugees, Burhan Zangana and Amir Javan, and hear about their experiences in their own words. Both men generously share with us the details of their unbelievable journeys, how they fled their home countries and risked everything to seek safety in Australia. Now, we touched on this in episode one of the podcast, but as a reminder, the title of the series, Stateless, is used in its poetic sense to address the loss of personal identity and search for belonging that our characters experience. But in today's episode, we're going to be talking about actual legal statelessness, which under international law refers to the millions of people around the world who are not recognised as citizens by any country. On paper, legally stateless people simply do not exist. This has devastating consequences on their ability to exercise their basic human rights and participate in aspects of everyday life that most of us take for granted. Someone who has experienced these consequences firsthand is our guest, former refugee and stateless person, Burhan Zangana. In 1993, at the age of 24, Burhan fled Iraq with no passport and no official papers. And two years later, after a harrowing journey, he received his Australian refugee visa. The feeling of it is like nobody wants you. I was thinking, I'm like a bird. I left the nest and I can't land anymore. I'm just up there. There's no place to land on or land on earth. You don't have a state. You're a bird. You don't have any tree to land on. Until you get so exhausted, that's it. You are waiting for that moment when you're going to fall. That's the feeling of being stateless. We'll also be speaking with former refugee Amir Javan, who in 2000, at the age of 27, fled Iran and faced unimaginable terrors on his journey to Australia, where he was held in immigration detention for four and a half years. It wasn't until 2007 seven long years after he had fled Iran, that he finally received his refugee visa. There were 43 innocent women and children in the boat who were hungry, thirsty, crying and praying to find a safe place to settle down. It was beyond imagination. First, we sat down with Burhan Zangana, who actually appears in the series. Burhan believed in the project so much that he actually relocated for a month from his home outside Sydney to our set in the South Australian desert, 900 miles away. My name is Burhan Zangana. I'm originally Kurdish from Iraq. I play the role of Mr. Rahim. Mr. Rahim's character is a refugee who is not accepted by Australia. At the same time, is not deported. He's not accepted by any other country. See this man here. This man has been here for seven years. He wants to leave, but no country will have him. 
That can't be us. We have to get out of here. The first time I was introduced to the set, they said, this is your character. Mr. Rahim is a refugee who's waiting here with the hope of being accepted or deported, sitting on a chair with this suitcase, being ready day and night, waiting day in, day out, weeks, months, years. So when I sat on that chair and I looked at my suitcase and everything, I said, something is missing. A rose is missing here. And because the character has been sitting there for many years, the rose cannot be a natural rose. It has to be a plastic rose because it can go forever. It doesn't matter if it's seven years or 14 years. He's going to get out and hand out that rose to the right person. Burhan recalled how one of the background artists recognized the character of Mr. Rahim because he'd actually known the man Mr. Rahim was based upon, having been detained in the same facility in which that man was held. It was my first scene. I sat down on that seat with my suitcase and the the rose next to me, and one of the actors came to me. He was from Afghanistan. He said, may I ask what you're doing? What's your role? I said, um... A stateless refugee sitting on this chair, waiting day and night for many years. I saw tears in his eyes. He said, I spent time with that man. I said, really? He said, yes, I spent seven months with him in a detention center. He started to cry. I started to cry too, to be honest, because I felt it. My character, when they told me is a stateless character and an old man, I said, well, that fits me a lot. In Iraq, Burhan's childhood was filled with violence and unrest during Saddam Hussein's regime. And like many young men, he wanted to rise up and take a stand against this oppressive government, no matter what the risks were for him personally. When I was about 14 years old, I joined the Kurdish freedom fighters. It was a dangerous process. Like two years after that, when I became 16, my friends were arrested and 12 of them were sentenced to uh, life Uh, sentence and four of them were hanged to death. That was during the time of Saddam Hussein. I was a university student and we went to the front line to stop the attack of the Iraqi government on my city. On that day, my best friend died. When we went to the cemetery and we buried him, his father hugged me and he started to cry and he said, from now on, you are my son instead of him. And in that moment, I hoped to give away my soul and just to die. I started to have a severe depression. And so I said, that's it. I'm not going to stay in this country. I'm leaving. When I told my parents that I'm going to leave this country, my father said, son, we looked after you all these years for you to graduate and become an engineer and find a job and get married and have a family. Now you want to go, you want to leave in a dangerous journey. Because I didn't have a passport. The Iraqi government didn't issue us passports because they knew that once we get a Iraqi passport, we're going to go and never come back. So because I didn't have a passport, I just took a dangerous journey. I went to the um, Turkish border. We were about 20 people. It was dark. We were ambushed by the Turkish army and they started shooting at us. We ran back to to the Iraqi side. They killed six of the uh, refugees. But that didn't change my mind. 
I said, I'm, I'm going. What's behind me is worse than what's ahead of me. I've seen bullets flying around me in Iraq. I may make it tomorrow night. So I tried the night after and I made it to Turkey. Bohan tried repeatedly to reach Greece on foot and by boat, but was captured and imprisoned in Turkey. He eventually managed to escape and attempted once again to cross the border from Turkey into Greece. Once you are a refugee, it's different. I had to take another measure to cross the border. We walked for three days. We used to say, don't let a Greek person or a Greek bird or a Greek dog see you. If a person sees you, they go into hand you in. If a dog sees you, they bark at you and they bring people. The bird, it was just out of fear, which means don't let anything, anything see you. Christmas 93, 94, everyone is going to be celebrating. They're not going to be in posts waiting for refugees, but it's very cold. We walked for about a week and then we reached a village inside Greece and we took our clothes off. You put the new clothes on. So when we get into the bus in Greece, we show them that we are one of the residents in the area and the region. Once you go to Greece, you go to the center of Athens and that's the refugee park. That was a dream point to get there because you go there, you see all the other refugees and they tell you what to do how to apply to go to other countries. So I went there, I was sitting down. I didn't know anyone, I didn't have friends. I didn't have anyone all the way from Iraq today. I was just by myself. Burhan managed to survive by selling bits and pieces in a market stall on the streets of Athens. After two years, he attempted another sea passage from the Greek border town of Petra. And there, he got picked up for not having his papers on him and spent a month in jail. Burhan protested this imprisonment by going on a hunger strike he was being punished for not having his papers on him. But what Burhan was desperate to communicate was that he had not lost his papers. He had never had them to begin with. He had never been issued an Iraqi passport in the first place. Burhan was legally stateless. They said, we asked the Iraqi embassy, we gave them your details, and um, we wanted them to take you, to take responsibility. But they told us that you're not a Iraqi citizen anymore. You're not even Iraqi. You're stateless. You don't belong to that country anymore. And they told us to do whatever you want to do. We don't want them. On one hand, it was sad that you hear that you don't have a country, you don't have a state, you don't have anyone. But on the other hand, I was like, okay, so they're not going to deport me back because I knew if they deport me back to Iraq, 100%, I'll be dead. And then they said, well, just go. You can go now. I said, what do you mean? Where do I go? They said, well, go back to the streets because you don't have a country. We don't know what to do with you. But the way you came to Greece, you need to leave. I said, well, I didn't come to Greece to stay here. I hope that one day I get out of here too because I don't have any rights. I just want to go somewhere, find a safe place, a place to call home. I just want to settle somewhere. I want to have a family one day. Unlike many stateless refugees who never find safe passage, Burhan was finally issued a refugee visa at the Australian Embassy in Greece. So they gave me that document with a photo and an Australian visa on it. And I was looking at it, I was thinking, is this true? Is this for real? I'm going to go to Australia with this one page. I couldn't believe it. The day when I arrived to Australia, 
At the airport, I saw everyone taking out a passport, giving the passport to the checkpoint, and they were looking at it, stamping it. Until then, I had that feeling in me that I was sure that I'm going to be accepted. It was a hard experience. It wasn't easy just to, for many years, and being going through what I went through and being stateless now with this one page to be accepted. So I went to this young man at the airport. I gave him the document, the travel document, with my picture, my photo, and the Australian visa. He looked at it, he looked at me, and he gave me a smile, and he said, welcome to Australia. Yeah. I never forget that moment. Never. Yeah. I felt home, to be honest. For the first time, I felt that I'm accepted. They accepted me. They, they don't look at me that I don't have um, a passport or um, a visa on it or citizen of a place. I'm welcome now. I'm accepted. That was the, the time I felt safe, really safe in life. At Sydney Airport. Most people can't imagine what it feels like to be stateless, to have no legal identity, to be invisible. But Burhan has a way of describing his experience, which is almost tangible. The feeling of it is like nobody wants you. I was thinking, I'm like a bird. I left the nest and I can't land anymore. I'm just up there. There's no place to land on or land on earth. You don't have a state. You don't have any tree. You're a bird. You don't have any tree to land on until you get so exhausted that's it you are waiting for that moment when you're going to fall that's the feeling of being stateless the reality of living that life the, the feeling of being in moments of that life it's so hard your mental status your depression every stateless person uh, goes through uh, mental health issues it took years, it took me some, it took me many years to get back to normal. Even in Australia, I felt happy. I started to have positivity when I was saying, okay, this is just a past, which I went through. I am in the, in the future, which I was waiting for. I need to work on it. I need to build up myself. I was happy during the day and I was working. I made many friends. But then at night when I was going to bed, I was waking up with a nightmare, with a scream. I was sweating and, you know, thinking about that. Not thinking about it, it was still there. After such an incredible, difficult odyssey to reach safety in Australia, having no legal identity, enduring an incredible strain on his mental health, what is life like for Burhan now? My daughter once asked me, she said, Dad, are you a refugee? I said, yeah, I'm a former refugee. I came to Australia as a refugee. She said, but isn't it like once you are a refugee, you're always a refugee? I said, well, it's sad to look at it that way, but maybe you're right. It's like a tree. You take it off that soil, which grew in with the root, and you go and plant it somewhere else. How it's going to grow, how it's going to be fruitful. I wake up with the sound of the birds not sound of bombs. I am the happiest Australian. 
Next up, we speak with former refugee Amir Javan. In researching the series, we'd seen a young man speak about his personal experiences in the Baxter Detention Centre in a documentary called Freedom Stories. And we were really inspired by his fortitude and his generosity and his insight. This young man is called Amir Javan. Amir was instrumental in our research for the series. And through his eyes, we were able to catch a glimpse of what life really looked like from the inside of an immigration detention centre. In fact, it was Amir Javan's journey that inspired the character of Amir in the series. I am Amir Hossein Javan, originally come from Iran and uh, living in Australia. I was ex-detainee in the Baxter and the Kertin Detention Center. I was a part of the research for the TV show Stateless. I was behind the scene whenever they need understanding of what happened inside of the detention center or during the journey. And how was it for Amir watching Stateless and seeing a very intense, traumatic chapter of his life recreated? I watched it all and I'm going to tell you that for someone like me that spent a really long time there, it is very, very uh, hard to watch it. Every single image was haunting me. It gives the feeling to people that exactly what's happening. I wish everyone around the world watching understand the feeling when you have no choice and you have to escape from your country. And also they understand that what is the feeling to be locked up in the detention center for a long time and dealing with all these kind of crisis and all these kind of mentally and physically disorder, then everyone's job is to stand up, raise up the voice to the government to make sure that it won't happen, not in Australia and not to any other countries. Amir also assisted the Stateless production team by speaking with the actors about the specifics of what life was like for him in detention. The journey and also the detention centre is a place that no one has got an idea and no one knows that even that kind of centre is available in Australia. So I try to give people in the boat, particularly the boat that I came from, the accurate picture of what's happening in the detention centre. It is totally different than prison because prison is a location that someone knows when it's going to get out knows the date that's going to be released. But in the detention center, there is no date. So it is indefinite. means that you'd never know until one day. I was living in a compound locked up with 28 people and no one was allowed to come to visit us. So for 28 months, I didn't meet anyone except my friends and everyone in the detention center. The only people that I've seen, it was two case officers and two interpreters. Although we try to just help each other, try to look after each other and try to just stand together, is hard. This is the whole scenario and picture that I was trying to give. Amir has become an advocate for refugees and wrote the following letter to the then US President Barack Obama, speaking on behalf of those forced to flee their homes. Let me read for you. I am one of those refugees who fled and left his motherland unwillingly because I did not have any choice and it was not safe for me. I ran away 
in April 2000 just because of my political views and activities and uh, left my mother and father although I knew that they needed me. Like a huge number of asylum seekers, I was unable to speak a word of English and I was by myself in Malaysia, the first country which I could travel to. And then my journey began with a fishing boat to Australia. It was not because I enjoyed traveling through the sea, but only because I had no other choice. It took seven days and nights and in the middle of the Indian Ocean, fighting with huge waves, surfing physically and mentally and continuing non-stop because there was no safe way to return to my home. There were 43 innocent women and children in the boat who were hungry, thirsty, crying and praying to find a safe place to settle down. It was beyond imagination. After we arrived in Australia, we were transferred directly to an immigration detention center in a remote area under surveillance of the Australian military. That was four and a half years in the prime of my life wasted, in the detention center, being locked up in isolation and battling for years has left me with trauma, anxiety, and stress. Since then, I've suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder. We all know that no one can choose where he or she is born. Yet, people who have had to run from war zones and homes they love are left to suffer daily without any hope. They have a human right to safety and they have so much to offer the world if only given a chance. Amir recalls in vivid detail the moment he arrived in Australia himself. It was one of the worst experiences that I had because when I arrived, it was a night time. We've been a large number of people, 112 people, uh, close to 47 ladies and children. And then we had a dinner and we had a sleep. Morning time around 10 o'clock, the head of the Department of Immigration in Kirtin turned up and uh, brought two interpreters. And then the first sentence, I never forget. In the first sentence, he says that I'm here and I'm the representative of Australian people. Uh, I'm here to talk to you. On behalf of people of Australia, I'm going to say to you that uh, you are not welcome here. So I listened to him and uh, I was thinking, oh, what a hospitable people if they are treating a guest like that. It really kind of a punch to our face, particularly I could feel that, still I'll never forget. And then he started explaining that you came illegally, so as a result of that you are detained and be aware that we are going to deport every single one of you. I was thinking that, oh, so I made the biggest mistake because I didn't know that it is the way that they are going to treat me here. And my expectation was totally different. And then, uh, just particularly on the daytime, I looked at the detention center and I looked at the officers and I looked at all the uh, raising wire around and it was totally like a prison. I thought that it is the biggest mistake that I made, but in the same time, there was no choice. 
there was no second choice. I didn't know that. Is there any way that I can go to any other countries? Because that is the way they are going to treat me. So let's go to another country, which I tried. And I wrote a letter to 14 different embassies in Australia. And I asked them that if by any chance uh, I can make a claim through them. And they mentioned that, no, unfortunately, because you are in the detention center in Australia, that is impossible. Being stuck in a detention center meant that freedom was still not available to Amir, even though he had risked so much already. And aside from the lack of freedom, the greatest difficulty for Amir was the uncertainty of detention, not knowing when or if it would end. One thing which I, I would wanted to particularly discuss with you is uncertainty, I didn't know myself until I've gone through every day of this journey, I didn't know what does uncertainty means. Uh, because unless someone would be in that sort of situation and feel every day, it is impossible to get that because I knew that word before, but I, I did not know what is the feeling. I was handling every day the pressure of repatriation and deportation and pressure of the detention center. I didn't know which day I'm gonna get out of that hell. So this is whole scenario that I wanted to let you know and just give the picture that how the life over there, it looks like. Luckily for Amir, after many years of multiple legal challenges, he eventually did become an Australian citizen. It was so beautiful. When I became Australian citizen, I was thinking, one, to be so grateful always and appreciate for whatever I've got here and the safe uh, city and the safe uh, country that I live in. Second, I always am appreciative for all the wonderful and great friends that I have got here and all beautiful Australian people that I met during my work and during the time that I live here. And when I became citizen, I thought that, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this opportunity to be so helpful socially and economically to Australian community. The extraordinary thing about the refugees I've met is despite the unimaginable traumas and challenges that they've faced, they are some of the most hardworking, generous and dedicated members of society because they just don't take for granted the safety, security and opportunity that they've been afforded by their host communities. I'm going to make sure that I'm going to raise up my voice that whatever happened to me, it won't happen to anyone else. Unfortunately, it's happening now and I'm not happy about it, but I do not give up and I'm working so hard to make sure that it won't happen to anyone else because it is one of the worst journey ever anyone can have. I'm Kate Blanchett, and my special thanks extend to my guests in this episode, Burhan Zangana and Amir Javan. Thanks for listening to Postplay Stateless. Join us next time when we hear from two people who have worked in Australian detention centres as they tell us in their own words about some of the challenges that they faced. The moment I step into the detention centre, there is this whole load of sadness taking over me. It just seems that pain is in the air. 
And what I saw with the clients was the same thing. They were even more broken. I could get out. I would just come home, sleep, and then go again. But with the clients, they were trapped in that sad environment. I understand frustration, desperation at their wits end. If I get sent home, I'm going to be executed. And we had to deal with the anger from these guys wanting answers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Stateless is streaming now on Netflix. Netflix.